0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian, who's on the road today. We'll be checking in here uh, as we go along. This topic of resistant weeds is not just, oh, that's in this little local area. Now, granted, there may be some subtle differences from one area to the next, but... It's a global issue with various chemistries that are out there, and you think about the different chemistries that we use in agriculture, man, many of these products have been out for 50 years or even more, and even the newer ones, a lot of them have been out, the same chemistries and chemical families have been out for 20 years or more, 30 years, so There's been a lot of time for nature to adapt to the products that we're using and when they're getting applied and those types of things. But there's certainly some management things that could help us even with the existing chemistries to get the most out of them. So our discussion today will revolve around that with resistant weeds. We'll also be taking your calls and questions via email radio at agphd.com or on the phone lines at 844-44-AGPHD resistant weeds Brian uh, you're getting out on the road a little bit today and I'm not sure you're scouting for weeds necessarily but this is something as we travel around not just North America but but anywhere globally everyone's concerned about this. Yes concerned but
1: here's here's my message my key message today if you're listening you have hope because we can kill any weed that there is there's There are, I mean, there are so many herbicide options that you have in most crops, not in every crop, but in most crops, we have a lot of herbicide options. So we can kill just about any weed that there is out there. But the key thing is that you set a plan early, you come up with the best plan you can, and sometimes there are going to be choices to make where you go, okay, well, you can have the the product that's better, but it's going to cost a little more money or here's the cheap option. And let me just give you a quick example. Let's say it's waterhens. You're in corn, post-emerge. You got two main choices, where you say dicamba or HVPD. Well, we're starting to see the HVPDs fail a little bit. So you go, okay, I want dicamba. But let's not forget, status is not just dicamba. It's another mode of action that's not found in any other chemistry in corn. So. I, it's great. It's a little splash of dicamba along with this Appears the active ingredient. I'm not here to sell you on status today. I'm simply using this as an example of, well, you know what? You've got some choices, but you don't have many choices. The problem is status is $20 and an HPPD is 2 And so, very often, I'm a farmer too, and I look at it and I go, hmm, well, keep giving me the two dollar option last year was a fluke it just didn't work very well but i think this year will be better and i don't know how many times i've done that myself on our own farm i'm simply saying um if you've got a real problem just spend the money i was talking to an agronomist this morning about this and you know it was hard for him even this fall here to talk a guy into a higher use rate on some uh spraying that he had to do that's like, look, number one, you're going to have fewer weeds if, in the future if you just stop these weeds now. And if you're in crop, I mean, my goodness, if you get the weeds under control very well as opposed to uh, halfway as well, you're going to have better yield. It should pay for itself with that alone. So I just want to give you hope today. There are absolutely ways to control the weeds that you have, most likely, in your crops. And if you've got any questions on that, you can always email us. You can always call us. We'll do anything we can to help you. And I'm also encouraged this year because a lot of the agchem chem prices are coming down. So it should be more reasonable to go with some of these different options. Here's another thing I was talking to an agronomist about this morning. I go, you know, in, the, in just the last few years, I haven't wanted to use a lot of Liberty on my farm because it was so expensive or you couldn't get it. Well, now it's really inexpensive. It's way cheaper than Dicamba, 2,4-D, I I mean, status, almost anything out there. So I'm looking at Liberty and maybe in soybeans, if let's say you have Dicamba beans, you do a combination of Liberty and Dicamba. Or if you have 2,4-D beans, you go combination of 2,4-D and Liberty. You couldn't afford that a year ago, but now all of a sudden you can because prices have come down. So those are things to look at where you might have been not super happy with the control, but now you can have something that's absolutely amazing for not much more than what you spent last year.
0: Well, choosing those products is really important, but there's a couple things that I thought about along the way this year that made a big difference Uh, first was not letting weeds get too big i think many times we think we've got resistant weeds but it's just hey you know what you're spraying a 12 inch tall weed (laughs) we're not going to kill those on a regular basis we got really spoiled when roundup was doing that job for many many years and letting weeds get too big is is a very important thing and here's the rule of thumb i use two inches to four inch tall weeds so never bigger than a 12 ounce can of pop is what my dad would always say. He'd say never bigger than a pop can. I can't get them if they're bigger than that. And that rule really is is pretty good. If you're less than that for height, you got a good shot. And with some weeds, they got to be even smaller. Then the next thing with post-emerge residuals, I love that a lot of folks are putting a post-emerge residual in often mixing a, a Zidua type product in or any of those group 15s. Post-emerge, That's wonderful, but don't wait too long to do that. They take moisture to activate, which is why it's great if they're going out there with a dicamba or a 2,4-D or some of these products that are going to work, even if it doesn't rain, but then to have a group 15 going out there that's going to work well if it does rain, uh, you've kind of got a one-two punch there that that is going to take out those weeds.
1: Hey, Darren. Yeah, and just to clarify too, you said two to four inch tall weeds, and I'm with you on that. I just don't want anybody ever thinking you have to wait until the weeds are two inches tall. If they're a, an inch tall or less, some products that you think are resistant, like even roundup, may still work if that weed is a half an inch tall. Spray earlier and you get better control typically. We're
0: going to talk about resistant weeds, give you some strategies to, to work on on your farm if you're having some challenges here. Like Brian said, we can get all the weeds under control with the right programs. So stay tuned, we'll be right back.
2: When it comes to combines, capacity and costs keep going up. So if you aren't the largest farm in the county, how do you achieve the high harvesting efficiency of the big operations while still keeping costs in check? Start by checking out the Kloss Trion 740. The latest Kloss combine delivers high reliability, low maintenance, gentle threshing, and surprising efficiency. The Kloss Trion 740. Learn more at kloss.com. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman, When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey. I'm a farmer and I work for Case IH. Case IH,
0: built by farmers.
3: Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year. BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF. Helping you do the biggest job on Earth. Insects have rained since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us
0: Listening to Ag PhD Radio, thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show. We're talking about resistant weeds. If you've got a problem weed or any other agronomic challenge on your farm, we'd love to help. 844 44 phd is our number. You can also email us radio at agphd.com, and it's always fun. We get pictures of weeds sent in. Uh, that kind of thing or just descriptions of man, this is what I got going on in my farm. What can you do? We're more than happy to to take a look at those. So don't don't be afraid. Send something in if you if you want us to help. Let's start off our show here with Matt Inman with BASF to talk about resistant weeds. Matt, how you doing?
4: I'm doing good. I hope you guys are
0: yeah, yeah, we're doing well. We love this time. I love fall weather. I love harvest season. That's wonderful. But here's what harvest exposes, Matt. We didn't control all the weeds, and now it's like, <laughs> oh, no, we missed this one or we missed that one. And in some cases, it's, uh-oh, that was a big patch, and it already went to seed. We know we're really going to have a battle now going forward. But in other cases, it's, hey, that, I haven't seen that one before. Oh, no, we, we now we have that. So what are you seeing on these resistant weeds? I know you're working on this on a regular basis.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. Uh, this is the time of year, right, when we're up in, in the harvesters and, and we're really seeing what happened throughout the year. But uh, no, this is this is the best time to um, really sit back and, and see what you've got going on and, and make plans now for next year. Like you said, you can run into certain patches, certain fields, and certain farms. Make note of that and make sure that, uh, you're taking the necessary steps now going into next season, um, and doing everything you can to minimize that contamination and that exposure moving forward.
0: Yeah. I love that. Be proactive. You know, what's out there in your fields. You know it's going to be back next year. You don't know how bad exactly, but, you know, it'll be there. So let's make those plans up front. And, you know, fortunately there are a lot of choices for a lot of different weeds that we've got. I mean, take pigweed, for example, Matt. You've got multiple modes of action that are still effective on pigweed if we use them right.
4: That's right. That's exactly right. And, you know, again, coming through uh, now is a time to make a plan. Um, You know, really trying to show the value and get folks on board with fall applications, fall herbicide, residual applications, um, to be exact, and, and, um, you know, combine that with a cover crop. You know, there's uh, been amazing results shown um, in a variety of cropping systems that a combination of a cover crop and a herbicide or residual herbicide can do wonders for the uh, next season.
0: Yeah, our cover crop is looking pretty good. We haven't gotten very much rain, but we've got enough to get the cover crop started, and that that's a good way to choke things out. But you mentioned the fall application of residuals. This is something we've done on our farm for over 20 years. Not on every field, but on fields we know we can get into early, and we're certain of what we're going to put in there for a crop. This has been a game-changer on our farm, where we know we're going to have plenty of moisture through Uh, fall and winter snowfall and early spring rains, that it's going to be activated come spring. I I like that strategy a lot. What do you see on a a national basis? Are you seeing a trend to more guys looking at these fall residuals?
4: Yes, absolutely. Definitely, um, you know, up north and Midwest where you guys are, um, you know, a fall application residual. Um, at least that, or in a tank mix with something else, um, with wild oats or uh, a lot of different winter annual species. Come spring, um, doing seeing amazing results with that. In the south, it, it's the same. Uh, Ryegrasses, and, and particularly across the continent belt, has become um, a major issue uh, for us. So honestly, it's, it really forces folks. Um, And in some cases where they have to, you know, they get the crop out of the field now, they have to do something now or they're just not able to control it come spring when it's up and and it's too big and um, it really hinders planting um, and and starting season off right um, next year.
0: You know, we had a guest on, I think just yesterday, and he was saying when they've got two to three inches of growth on their winter wheat in the spring, they've got... 15 to 18 inch deep roots and I think about wild oats in the same way that it may not look like that much of a plant above ground but it's probably already tillered out and you've got a tremendous root system underneath it. It's tough to get enough active ingredient into that to knock it out completely. This fall application gives you a chance to kill weeds that in the spring, the best you can do is probably suppress them. So I I like that strategy too. So cover crops, fall applications and residuals, there are a couple proactive steps that you can take right now. When it comes to those spring applications, we've got a lot of residual products that we can use. Certainly, the, the crop you plant, the traits that you'll choose will give you some different options like Ingenia and other post-emerge products. Brian was talking about uh, these new yep. Dicamba products and what an option they give us. But, man, there's just been uh, – we're seeing decreases in price on some of the big herbicides out there. It's, it's a great opportunity for farmers to kill weeds next year.
4: It really is. And like you said, um, you know, pick, pick the best, best options and, and you know, moving into the spring – you know, I know you guys preach at least two, ideally three different modes of action uh, for your pre if possible. And again, depends on your your cropping system. But um, combine that with some other cultural practices, like maybe narrow uh, narrow row space and beans or corn, if it works for you. Maybe changing uh, your plant population up. Um, we, we really got to do everything we can uh, to help steward those products and those AIs that, that are still working for us. It's absolutely critical
0: moving forward. What a great way to start off this show with uh, talks of cultural practices that we can do. And he thought, oh, man, it's Matt Inman from BASF. Here comes a heavy dose of herbicides for us. So for for all you organic guys that are listening, he talked about cover crops, narrowing up the rows, planting populations. Of course, you can do different things with tillage and these kinds of things. Matt, great job. I really appreciate it. Uh, Good talking to you. I look forward to talking to you again down the road
4: absolutely I appreciate it take care
0: you bet I uh, got Dave on down in uh, the st Louis area right now wants to talk a little about hemp dog bane how you doing Dave
5: hey great um I've called in before about my problem and you and your brother said oh you got to jack up the roundup and um, so I I walk my field six times this summer I, I ding some some corn up yes I did uh, I do not grow roundup ready corn. But uh, I did shoot some some Liberty at a very high rate. Yes. And it did do a good job cleaning it up. Awesome. And when I say cleaning it up, the rhizome underground pulled it up. It was just mush.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's good to hear, Dave.
5: I consider that a kill. Yes, absolutely. You know, the weed day, that's my weed. That's been my biggest weed problem. So,
0: that is a tough one. Yep. Now, for anybody who hasn't experienced hemp dog mane yet, a lot of folks will say it kind of looks like a milkweed. It's got milk on the inside, just a little narrower yep. leaf than what a common yep. milkweed would have, yep. uh, but oh, it's yeah. a tough one. Man, Much that's terrible. a tough weed.
5: It, I, I fought it for three years and didn't know uh, what to do. Um, I, I typically practice no-till. I, I'm going to go ahead and till that field this year. Uh, um, we'll disc it and uh, just to see if I can cut up some more of those rhizomes that might be hanging on. I, since harvest, I did spray uh, a, a forty-eight ounce per acre Roundup spray across it after uh, a, after the combine was was finished. Okay.
0: So. Yep, giving it. Yep. You're giving it everything you can. I know that. Kudos to you, Dave. That's awesome. I really appreciate the call back in too, and uh, it sounds very encouraging. If you're seeing a lot of damage to those rhizomes, that's great. <laughs> Hopefully, you got rid yeah, of this weed for good.
5: It, if you can kill a rhizome, you've got it. So, yep, yep. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you, Dave.
5: Okay, guys. Thank you. Bye now.
0: You bet. Yeah, I think Dave's got a couple great points there that you just got to stay after it. He said, I've been after this weed for three years. He said he was out in the field six times this year just trying to wipe this thing out for good. Uh, sometimes you have to do that. If you're just very persistent uh, for for a few years, you can take care of some of these big problems. So we'll, we'll talk more about some of the resistant weed issues that are out there and some strategies to use for them. And we'll take your calls and questions at 844 844- 44 Ag PhD.
6: Precision crop nutrition pays and Agroliquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils your fields and your goals while our clean seed safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever agro liquid apply less expect more find a retailer at agroliquid.com
0: my mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all they'll hate all day see in the dark with its powerful LED lights hook up all the implements Ship like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking
7: for a tractor that can do it all?
0: Check out CaseIH.com.
3: Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Xyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions.
2: There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior strip tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712 520 6051.
0: You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about resistant weeds on the show today. And we we see a lot of work being done on this. Um, we talked with Matt Inman with BASF uh, about the work that, that they're doing. And there are a lot of ag chemical companies like that, that that are working real hard to try to get the most out of the current chemistries that we've got. We also look at what's happening at the university and extension level with all the research that they do, both with current products, sometimes with past products that may have been forgotten about or had not used in a certain situation for many years, but also looking at some of the new things that are coming down the road. We've got Wesley Everman on with us right now at North Carolina State. How are you doing, Wesley?
8: I'm doing good. How are you this afternoon?
0: We're doing well. We're doing well. Uh, I notice in our air, though, it's getting a little cool. We've got frost warnings out for the weekend, and I'm thinking, man, I love when we get that first frost to knock out some of the mosquitoes and and some of the other things like that. Uh, I like that we freeze up here because now at least we know we don't have to fight pigweed for about five months here when everything's frozen. So there there are some benefits right. to living in the great white north.
8: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you think about some of these different weeds and I, I always say, man, it's got to be tougher going south when you're going to be warmer, you're going to have a longer growing season. Uh, you've got a little more rainfall in North Carolina normally than we do here. Uh, so there, there are some good things about that for crop production, but I would think from a weed control standpoint, it makes things tougher.
8: It, it can be a lot trickier because, I often I, I joke about it but it's true we can grow a really good palmer crop after we take our corn, tobacco <laughs> and some of our other early crops off, you know, we we usually get a month or two before we get that hard freeze and like you said we get good moisture and that palmer will take advantage of that residual nitrogen that's hanging out from some of those crops and can be a real challenge if we don't get ahead of it and take them out before they set seed.
0: I bet so. And I, I know I, and jokingly, I, I might say, oh yeah, that's our cover crop, but uh, I don't think you want that for a cover crop. So what do you do? Do you utilize a cover crop? Are more guys trying that strategy or is it tillage or, or what kind of things do do they do in the fall?
8: It's a little bit of both. Um, and then some with our herbicide control. So we'll often have folks spray paraquat after their corn, you know, get that polymer before it really, gets up and gets going. We have some folks that use Valor as a residual. Uh, if, if we get out there in early September to mid-late September, it gives us that window where we can still plant wheat without any worry you know, of, of that residual hurting the crop. So we'll have some of that going on and there's definitely more interest in cover crops and having folks come out, putting them in early October trying to get a good jump on stuff uh, to help us out. But that's more for next year, not so much to try to control stuff this fall yeah
0: yeah setting ourselves up for next year just being proactive and I know like on our farm we we are running through at the combine right now and we notice ah oh, we missed it in this field we didn't get the timing right or picked the wrong product mix or something for the weeds that came and we we can look back at this year and say well here's what I should have done this year but we, we really have to look forward and say okay was that a fluke or do we just need to change our strategies I, I love that the, the that you get to do some of these disaster plots that we don't have to do them on our farm. You can say, "Okay, this doesn't work," and you know, I look at use rates. For example, my brother's been talking about this, Wes. And you tell me what you think. Chemical prices are down. Brian's first reaction to that, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. That's going to help us out on the budget. And Brian's like, well, I think we're going to spend the same amount of money on crop protection. I think we're going to boost our rates up to full labeled rates now, and that'll help us do a better job on weed control. Do you see that that rate creep a little bit as times get tough, or, or is this an opportunity to push those rates back up?
8: I agree with pushing the rates back up. Um, we, we have a mix of things going on down here uh, where some folks have to use that. We're stuck with that full rate even in tough years because some of our weeds are getting to where you can't cut that rate like we used to. Uh, folks got in that pattern of dropping that rate down. And I believe we're doing some work trying to look at historical populations. We've, we've collected uh, pigweed and ryegrass seed over the years on, on a statewide level. And we're gonna start doing the project here this winter and next spring, where we look at that historical response and see if that rate has been creeping on us. I, my, my hypothesis is that it has. And on Palmer especially, I don't think we can cut the rate with our herbicides anymore. We've, we've gotta go that full rate. So I'd encourage folks in areas that don't have some of the resistance issues that we do to get up to that full rate because any cut rate is going to end up giving you a few more survivors that end up passing on genes, surviving rates we don't want it surviving.
0: You know, the other thing I was thinking about with these applications, Wes, is just, uh, and I mentioned this to start off, I think a lot of the problem out there is weed height, that we're letting some weeds get too big, we just can't get them under control when they get a foot tall, and so often when I, I go out and look at fields where growers say, man, I'm having trouble getting these weeds under control, and I'll see three or four inch tall dead carcasses and I'll see 12 inch tall dinged up but not completely killed weeds I'll be like wait a second here you had some big ones out there well yeah a lot of them were small well they weren't all you kind of got to go by that biggest weed and and try and time it right so maybe we just need to apply a little bit earlier maybe we need to be a week sooner
8: and that's that's the messaging we've pushed down here in North Carolina for the whole time I've been here as faculty is look at those first weeds and think about how much they're going to grow in a couple of days. Uh, the way I like to say it, you know, by the time you scout and you see two inch Palmer out there in that field, okay, we know it can grow an inch or two on a good day and by the time you go get things ready with your sprayer, if you wait to target those weeds at three or four inches, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like every time I start getting stuff together, I got a hose or a pump or something I got to fix.
0: Or the wind starts the blowing two. too much, and now it's like, yep. oh, no, we can't get in for a couple days.
8: That's right. And then you're spraying those weeds on the label says four inches, and you're spraying them at eight inches. I like to say, think about that as a you're making a cut rate to those. Because the labeled rate says, you know, three to four inch weeds. Now, if we're spraying bigger weeds and let's compound folks cutting the rate a little bit to save a little money, we're really putting on a very sub lethal rate to some of those weeds. And that's encouraging us to have survivors. Now, they may not be resistant, but they've been sprayed with a dose. They've survived. They're going to pass that surviving ability on to their offspring. Now, it just may be a incremental creep, but it's definitely something that we've got to be aware of, you know, and, and try to avoid as much as we can.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the other thing is just adding everything in the tank that you need. And I, I talk to farmers all the time. Well, yeah, I know it said I should use methylated seed oil, but I had some surfactant around. So I, I just threw that in. We, we can't be doing that every 2%, 5%, 10% difference we have, could be the difference between completely stopping a weed and and letting a few sneak through.
8: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, lots of things to think about here. And I, I again, I just want to be encouraging to everyone, we can control all these weeds. We're just talking about some of the mistakes that happened in 2023 because we're trying to be proactive for 2024. We want to try and do things the best we can. Uh, one of the things I do encourage right. you to do is look at the work being done at universities. We're talking to Wesley Everman here with North Carolina State. These guys do a ton of work. They spray a ton of trials. They try literally every product that's out there and some that aren't even available to you yet. Uh, talk to them and see what they're seeing too because a lot of times there's some great insights there that we can share with. Hey Wesley, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck here with Harvest.
8: Thank you so much. Same to you.
0: Talking about resistant weeds on our show today, but that may not be the top subject on your mind. If you've got an agronomic question that that you're struggling with or debating on your farm with with your brother or or, uh, whoever else you're farming with, give us a call. We'd love to help out. Our phone lines are open at 844- Forty-four Ag PhD, and the other way you can get a hold of us is by email. And this one's really nice. You can send us soil samples, tissue samples, pictures, whatever you need to, to to back up what your question is. It's radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: This season, get medieval on rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA.
1: Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizictonia. Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit Valent.com Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions.
2: From the moment the first seed is in the ground, your days until harvest are numbered. Each day, every decision leads to your bottom line. So, when it comes to harvest, rely on the only combine built to deliver the numbers you deserve. The Kloss Lexion gives you the quality, efficiency, reliability, and precision that make every minute count. Go ahead, let the numbers drive you with a Lexion Combine, built by Kloss. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit, and they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all.
6: You've done it. Your yields are on the rise. But when it comes to marketing, are you falling short? Invest in yourself with Agris Academy. Agris Academy is offering a first-of-its-kind masterclass in commodity merchandising and risk management. Learn the best practices and tactics of the world's leading risk managers and apply them to your farm. Contact your buyers with a new confidence and boost your farm's profitability. Agris Academy's 10-week masterclass begins this November and is hosted on Acres TV. Sign up today with early discount code ACRES at agrisacademy.com.
3: When nematode pressure mounts, seed-applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST.
0: Thanks for listening to ag phd radio today hope you're enjoying the topic resistant weeds and what you can do about them on your farm got to talk a little bit on the research side of what's going on at the university level i thought that was great uh, a little bit earlier we're talking about cultural practices but also uh both guests we've had so far have talked about fall application i'm guessing we're going to hear a little more about that too from our next guest garrison gundy works with valent down in kansas garrison how you doing
7: I'm doing well thanks for asking.
0: Hey you know one thing I got thinking about is because uh, I know you've fought some of the same things we did uh, this year and for the past couple of years if it would just rain on time you know if we could just make our applications of residuals and catch a nice inch of rain right after oh that'd be wonderful.
7: Yeah for sure And and Kansas specifically it's just been a whirlwind you know the southwest portion we did get good rains actually early season and had great activation of residual herbicides, but then as you move east, it, it got worse surprisingly this yeah. year. And yeah, it seems yeah, kind really of opposite of normal. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, okay, talk to us about that thing. So we get a lot of calls about fall valor. What do you see with that, and what are the what are the keys to making that work?
7: Yeah, so, so yeah, I get, uh, we have a lot of valor going out in our area too in the fall. Um, and really what it's doing is providing, you know, residual control of those winter annual weeds, which is going to give us a, a quicker start in the spring. Then we don't have to plant through the, the green mat there. So, yeah, one really important thing with that, obviously, is rate. Um, you know, that's going to extend the residual activity of that further into the spring, the higher rates you use. And then another really important factor is, you know, when it comes to residual activity, The amount of moisture and and the temperatures we get throughout the winter is really going to depict how much residual activity we can get with that into the spring. But as far as winter annuals goes, there's really no concern it's going to provide great residual activity for the whole growth season of those Weed.
0: So, All right, we've done fall valor for a number of years, but now we're doing fall fierce and we're spiking in a little more valor to try and get that valor rate up. What do you think about that strategy, getting that second mode of action in there?
7: Yeah, I think from a resistance management, you know, having two effective modes of action from the residual standpoint is, is definitely important. And I think, you know, with with having two sites of action, we also can a- increase the residual activity further through, further into the season. And, you know, for some of the really, really difficult things to control, like kochia in that early spring timing, having that extra pyroxysulfone with the Valor and, and Fierce is, is really going to elevate your weed control.
0: Yeah, I I think so too. And anytime we get in a situation on our farm now where we're using a single mode of action – we, we question that, and fall valor had been working great, and, and we generally would put that out with dicamba in the fall, or 2,4-D, depending on what we're rotating to or, or what's around us. Uh, that would work good for knocking down what's up and then then leaving good residual, but we kind of get thinking about that. Man, I, I, I love still having a knockdown herbicide if we've got weeds that are up that we're targeting, like winter annuals, but with that residual component man we're putting it all on one mode of action and it just it seems like a recipe for that to all of a sudden not work as well down the road And we don't want to lose that
7: right absolutely you know the last thing we want to do is is lose our ppo fall and early spring burn down residual activity because then we're going to be in a world of hurt so yeah it's really important to have that extra mode of action with it
0: now, one of the nice things about um, doing those fall residuals, like you mentioned the moisture situation, you know you're going to get some snow or some rain in six months' time. i mean, if if that doesn't happen, you got a lot bigger problems to worry about, than your residual isn't activated. But, uh, it, it just gives you such a window. When you look at these products, uh, Brian always talks about this on our farm. He's like, as long as we get it done before freeze up. But uh, I'd like being out there a little bit ahead of that. I, I'd like to knock some of these weeds out before they ever really get a start in the field. Do you have a timing that you like best for, for a fall Valor or a fall Fierce Plus Valor treatment?
7: Yeah, it, it really depends on on the year. Um, you know, we usually say that once you start getting close to fifty degrees soil temp, that's an optimal time. Um, I kind of am like you, especially if you have things like fall emerging Maristel and things like that. I like to get out there just a little bit early so we do catch those first emerging winter annuals versus delaying it and putting more stress on that burn down product that we're mixing with it. So, but yeah, I think you know if. if as you start getting close to 50 degrees, you know, I think that's the, the optimal time and we start seeing lots of stuff coming up and that's going to give you the best chance of, you know, giving getting those winter annuals under control, but then also not being too early that you don't get some of the kochia and other early spring emerging plants as well.
0: Absolutely. And, and to me, a lot of that comes down just from our experience has been rate. And we, we've historically used four ounces of Valor in the fall. It's worked fantastic for us. We've gotten pretty nice stretch into the spring. Our other, our other side of that is we try to manage it with, I'm going to do fall herbicide treatments on fields that I can plant early. So we look for fields that are uh, upland- good drainage that kind of thing that we know will get in on time and we like to plant early and we may even consider up in our planting population on a crop like soybeans for example to make sure we fill those rows in as soon as we can crop canopy's been such a nice tool for us keeping weeds out what did you notice Garrison uh, as you get towards the end of 2023 here crops are starting to come out 2020 hindsight so you can you can say oh, I knew it right from the start if you want but what do you look back at 2023 and say we could have done a little bit different and we would have had better control? Yeah,
7: I think, like I said, it's, it's, it's hard to make any general recommendations, right? When you have so polar opposite, you have a range of 40 inches of rainfall in certain areas all the way to 12. So it's really hard. I think, you know, my recommendation is is a lot of people have their herbicide program and all that put in place. But I think, sometimes we have to be, you know, we always talk about proactive weed management. I think it's equally important to be reactive, you know, in areas where we generally see six to eight weeks of control with some of our residuals, you know, this year without some rain in a lot of areas, we didn't get that. So kind of have to be reactive, right? Spray when those weeds come up, even if you're not used to that. So I think that's just, as we start seeing some more extreme environments like it seems like we are, you kinda have to be reactive and be ready to change your program based on what's happening not in your field and not What you've not based on what you've traditionally done. So,
0: you know, it just comes back to scouting on a regular basis. And this has been one topic that's been a hot one this summer. Uh, A lot of farmers that utilize crop consultants or private agronomists or, or agronomists that work for their ag chem retailer or whatever it may be. Uh, those guys are getting busy. <laughs> we're we're seeing scouts uh, really be called on to do a lot now because everybody knows if we let these weeds escape us here, if they get too big, we don't have many good rescue treatments anymore. So we want to be on top of that. And then of course, for the farmers that are scouting their own fields, uh, that's awesome. Uh, just make sure you stay after it, make sure you have a plan. And um, I'll, I'll just give you one example from our own farm. We've got a field that's Well, we have two fields that are about 10 miles west of our farm. We've got one field that's about 10 miles east of our farm, and then everything else is pretty close. Well, those close ones, we scout quite a bit. The ones that are further off, uh, when's the last time somebody was over by there? And and sometimes – things can sneak through on that. So if you've got some fields like that, that man, I just never get by that field. I I don't think about it as often as I should. Uh, utilize some of these programs, like, like what Garrison's talking about here, putting out some fall treatments at strong rates. You get good residual and you just got a little more cushion, a little wider window to get those applications made next year. Garrison, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today and good luck this fall.
7: Yep. Thank you very much and stay safe.
0: Yeah, safety is the big thing and uh, as we're talking about harvest season right now, that's been one I know on our farm we've certainly been cautious of and making sure everybody's getting enough rest, making sure that the windows are clean and all the equipment so we can see as we're traveling down the road, just all those little things, all little maintenance things that you can do so you don't have a problem. When it comes to weed control, we strongly suggest part of your program here, winterizing things on the farm, is you're winterizing that sprayer. Make sure you're checking things over really closely so you can identify problems and either fix them now or write it down so you get them fixed over the winter. We need that sprayer to be functioning perfectly to knock out resistant weeds. We'll dive into the Ag PhD Mailbag coming up next.
6: Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer.
7: From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com.
3: Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start, Start your, your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instruction. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label
0: directions. Where are you getting your fertilizer this year? Just about anywhere you look, it's going to cost more. And you may even find it's harder to get when you need it. It sure would be nice to have a better source of crop nutrients. Believe it or not, you do. It's your soil. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the nutrients already in your fields, so you can add less fertilizer while getting the yield you're counting on. It's such a solid backup plan, you'll probably find yourself wondering why Source wasn't the plan all along. Visit Sound.egg to learn more. Hey, everybody. Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. The Ag PhD Mailbag time means we're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show. 844 844- Forty-four Ag PhD, if you'd like to join in. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll get your question that way. Got this one in from Ray, and he wants to talk about hay production. I got my brother Brian back on here to discuss this just a little bit. Brian, Ray wants us to do some shows based on producing more hay. He said, did you guys realize that our country's only got 49.5 million acres of hay production and we are seriously short of hay in this country. Uh, and on the coast, they're exporting the hay. So we need to do more to help growers in the middle part of the country, especially, raise some better crops. What are some of the things that, that you would look at in terms of crop protection products and just overall management that you think could help most hay growers out?
1: Uh, what kind of hay, grass or alfalfa or what? Well, let's talk about,
0: let's talk about both. Okay,
1: so we, could, we we actually have done shows on this before, and we like talking about this because I agree with them. There could be a lot more production, and we may not have enough acres today as it stands with the production we've currently got. I'll be honest is if a, a person managed hay ground exactly like they managed their corn ground in the north or their cotton ground in the south it's very possible that you could get 50 to even 100 percent more hay production and i guess one of the biggest things that i'm going to look at other than drainage that's obviously going to be a key but other than that it's really fertility the challenge that you have when we're talking grass hay or alfalfa which one it is they're perennial crops so if you put phosphorus out there or zinc or copper And in a lot of areas, potassium also, it could literally be years before that fertilizer gets an inch deep in the ground without tillage or injection. So how do you manage that? It's tough. I get it. And so personally, I like alfalfa hay where we're only going to have the stand in for three to five years because then that gives us a chance every three to five years to place fertilizer down deeper in the soil. So I'll put it this way. I don't care what crop we're talking about. If it's, a, if it's a perennial, I'm going to always suggest you do good soil testing and you place a whole bunch of fertilizer out there before you seed. So you've got enough P and K to get by for several years, potentially, and then you're going to be in good shape. But the thing is, when you do this P and K, because that's what a lot of people are going to focus on, then they're going to forget about zinc. They're going to forget about copper. Some of these nutrients that directly tie in with the phosphorus, for example. And then like magnesium, too. This is something you have to look at. We know for a fact that if you raise your potassium super high without adjusting your magnesium to where it needs to be, well, you're not going to get enough magnesium into the plant. You'll get all kinds of K in. But the opposite is also true. If you have ridiculously high magnesium and not enough K, you're going to get all kinds of magnesium in and not the K. Magnesium and potassium absolutely fight each other going into the plant, so you have to have the ratio right. So it's a lot of these things, and it's stuff we talk about all the time in our, when we do a soils clinic, and I was just saying on the show yesterday, we do have a free Ag PhD Soils Clinic coming up in January if you would like to attend. We'll teach you how to read a soil test and the things you should be looking for in any crop, including K. So if you get to the crop protection side, I guess I'd just say with alfalfa, we're very limited. You do not have much. I mean, basically, all I talk to guys about as an agronomist is you got raptor or pursuit. That's an ALS. You've got bucktro And then you got a low rate of butyrex. That's it for broadleaves. So that means, number one, i got to have a super thick sand so I choke out as many weeds as possible. And two, I want to start really clean. So we like Eptam. Use a half a gallon of Eptam or even more, four and a half pints, I think, full rate. So just check the label on that. But I, I'm I'm just saying, if you do that pre-emerge and you try to keep a super thick stand, now you're in better shape. And for grass, you got them. So I mean, that's literally it for alfalfa. So it's five products. There's your entire selection. If it's grass hay, now we're probably talking uh, something like 24D dicamba. And our favorites would be like Tordon and Milestone. You could also do Chaparral if there's brush out there. But, I mean, we have more choices when we get to grass hay because grass is not, well, let's put it this way. In a lot of cases, we're trying to kill broadleaf weeds. Well, killing a broadleaf in a grass, not that difficult. Killing a broadleaf in a broadleaf crop like alfalfa, that's where we get to have a real challenge. So I guess those are my key things. But other than that, it's just scouting, scouting, scouting. So you might have diseases show up, you might have insects show up. I mean, you just you have to be paying attention to that field and seeing what's going on. But you set yourself up for failure or success by what you have for drainage and fertility.
0: Yeah, Ray, I I would say this. Uh, I appreciate the email and appreciate the idea of having a little more focus on hay. I know on our own farm. We're raising quite a bit of alfalfa hay now, and this is something that's top of mind for us. We do uh, hit that topic up from time to time, but yeah, we can put it uh, more frequently up uh, on the program. I got this one in from Gerald over in Indiana. He said, hey, thanks for talking about resistant weeds today. Your three pre-strategy on soybeans has really helped me on my farm. But in corn, you've kind of confused me. You don't often recommend using the pre-mixed three-mode-of-action products. In fact, I hear you talk against using atrazine soil applied. You say there's too much HPPD in many of these combos and not enough group 15. So I'm a little confused here. What's the best way to stop weeds in corn?
1: Well, it really okay. So, just like in the question we had before raising hay, we need a little to be a little bit more specific. I need to know what kind of hay. Just like here, how do we kill weeds? Well, I can give you some general statements, but you got to tell me what's your worst weed problem and then we're going to attack it. So, let's just say that my worst weed problem was water hemp or Palmer pigweed, which are virtually the same weed. So, if that's number 1, How can I absolutely best control that? Let's say I have Roundup crops. Okay, so I'm probably going to start with a full rate of a Group 15 along with Sharpen. That's what I would do. And then post-emerge, I'm going to come along. You can add more Group 15 if you want, but the very, very best thing is status plus little atrazine. So but that was kind of where I started the show today with, hey, if you tell me you got a weed disaster, oh, we can wipe it out. You might not like the price, but we can wipe it out. So on our farm, here's what we did last year: we went with just a Group 15 at a full rate pre, and then post-emerge we went with an HPPD, a little atrazine, and Roundup, and that works great. But if you're having issues with HPPD, then you're not going to like that. Or if, let's say, you can't use it because of your rotation, you got to switch to something else. So, I, I, I mean. Yeah, I, I just need to know specifically what weed are we after, and then we can give you the absolute best program, and we can also give you a step down. So I gave you the best program first, and then I did the step down, which is quite a bit cheaper, so it all depends on how many weeds you have, you know, what, you, what your desire for a clean field is, and we kind of go from there. And this, too, is why we say, please Do the best you can controlling your weeds this year and every year because then you don't have to spend an arm and a leg to get everything under control in the future. When you have that weed seed bank a lot less, you're in much better shape and it's much less expensive in the future to raise your crop.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things here, and I I agree with the first thing that you said there. You've got to identify, well, what is the main target here? And oftentimes there's multiple weed species out in the field, but at what one can you not live without? I mean, you just have to stop pigweed or it's all over great let's go after pigweed if you say you know what it's foxtail control that's the worst thing i got that's a little different target than than uh, broadleaf weed like pigweed so just make sure you know which one you're going after and then picking the right trait can really help you out too i I love roundup ready corn because cleaning up volunteer grass escapes for example is pretty nice Uh, um yeah yeah and and pretty inexpensive compared to the alternatives so yeah, it's a it's just a full range of things that you can do. And then of course some of the cultural things that we talked about earlier on the show today with um, planting population, tillage, crop rotation, hey. you know, cover crops, all yeah, those kinds bro. of things. Yeah, that can can make a difference and make your life a little bit easier too. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Been talking about resistant weeds on today's show. If we didn't hit the weed you were curious about, send us a question to radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.